At The Influencer Collective, we're not in business to repeat old recipes or create perennial relationships. TIC has a mission to grow evergreen connections within our community. And how do we do that? At The Influencer Collective, we have curated a variety of recognized experts across different industries. Part of the human condition is to pass on your legacy to the next generation. And as silly as it may sound, podcasts, unlike other forms of media, aren't as vulnerable to the barrage of advertisements. Whether it's for your company, nonprofit, or something more artful, there's so much under the surface that needs to be recognized. It's just you, your mic, and your audience listening to your story, your legacy. I'm Jen Sherman, founder of The Influencer Collective. Join us. Welcome to the Influencer Collective Show. I'm your host, Jen Sherman, and today we have a very special guest on, as always, Erin um, Roth. She is the founder of Miss Joe's Petite Sweets, um, all yummy good food. She's also um, a veteran as well. So um, one, thank you for your service, and also thank you for providing sweet, sweet, sweet treats to the DMV. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, Jen. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Um, all of us really need good food right now, as we know. I mean, typically we need good food, but even now more than ever. So, Erin, I'd love to just kind of start off by um, you providing us a little bit about your background, because uh, you have a really great story from, you know, what I've heard from our initial conversations, and then we can dive into the, um, into the meat. Well, I'm Erin Roth. I'm originally from Mississippi, so I'm a Southern girl. And so in the South, uh, cooking how well you cook determines your, uh, determines your reputation. You know, either you're going to be the person that brings the ice to the family cookout or the family dinner, or you're going to bring something else. So I wasn't a person that brought the ice and desserts were my initial passion, still are my, my passion. And so I became the person in the family that people would go to for desserts. And um, so with that, I was in the military for 24 years and 15 days. And right before I retired, I called my parents. I'm that kid that would call their parents, and they were both retired two or three times, so we could check on them to make sure they were okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so I told my uh, my parents uh, November of 2015, I said, hey, Mom and Dad, I'm going to retire, and I think I'm going to do sweets on her side, you know, do some cupcakes and such. And, of course, you know, your mother is your your biggest cheerleader. And so she was like, well, sweetie, whatever you decide to do, I'm quite sure you would be very successful. And then she passed about a month later. She and my dad were on vacation and she passed suddenly. And so my world changed. Uh, we uh, had a new normal in the Hardaway family. And if your mother is a great person like mine is, was, your mother is like the center of the family universe. We all rotate around her. And so for us, you know, it just, it kind of like, you know, like a blast of the chest. And uh, so I went through a, a dark time. And so uh, grieving, and I decided one day, I, she probably was talking to me, he said, girl, get up off your butt and start your business. And I did, and as a tribute to my mother, I named it Miss Jo's Petite Sweets. Her name was Miss Jo Farrell Bradford Hardaway. And so again, she used to always say, if you wanna hear God laugh, tell him your plan. And my initial thing was just do something on the side when I retire to keep me busy and wow, 
God is laughing. And so it has blown up, uh, you know, Miss Joe's Boutique Suites, and we have some other ventures that are coming out. It's just, it has exceeded my wildest expectations. So, but it all started with my mother, Miss Joe. I love that. And, you know, quite frankly, it's interesting, especially during these times, um, losing like a loved one, you know, and, and, and being able to kind of pick yourself back up. But while they, I've always just found, especially during these times, is if they're not physically here, they are still here with you. And so, you know, it's really cool to see how that evolved where, you know, you're still living with, like, she's living vicariously through you too right now with the, with the business. And, you know, that inspiration that comes, I mean, life is such a journey. You really don't know where you're going to be. And starting, starting a business, being in a country where we can just say, wake up with an idea. And if you have the will and action and drive to pursue it, you can do it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's been a blessing. You know, um, you know, my mother was, was very modest and if she was alive, she would not have liked me to name the business after her. That's how she was. She, she's, uh, my parents were very big contributors to the community and my, my parents would give, do things for people, but they would do it where so people would know who did it. And so, um, it goes back to the Bible. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. And so my parents used to always give so much. And that's one of the things I want to do with my business as well as give back to the community that I serve. So. Yeah. So thinking about community, right. And we are, um, in this kind of world where, you know, we, we evolved from the Kim Kardashian celebrity influencer to the micro, right? Like in my, in my world, I define an influencer differently than particularly like the mass America. Um, hence the reason why we have the influencer collective, but you know, for you and your experience, you know, how, what is your definition of an influencer? <sighs> I'm glad you mentioned that, Jen. Uh, for me, it's not your typical what the millennials think an influencer is. For me, the influence is someone or something that I respect or admire and their life, whatever they've done, um, influences my decisions for now to eternity. And so for me, my the first influence in my life was my mother. <laughs> I mean, my mother and the women in my family, you know, I grew up in the in Mississippi and, you know, Southern ladies are elegant, you know, elegant, they're classy. And so that has just formulated my entire life and particularly with my business. So everything I do in my business, I do it um, as a testament to my mother and what she would expect me to do in a good way. You know, we all didn't agree with our mothers, but by far, I, I would love to hear her fuss at me one more time. So. <laughs> I, I, listen, I, my mom is my, you know, one of my primary best friend, and that's a good thing and a bad thing sometimes. Because, uh, you know, you, your mother is always, typically, if you have that relationship, she's the smartest person in the world. Having said that, like, you're also really smart, too. So you just have to be able to have that balance. Um, so who is your, I mean, I know that, you know, going outside, um, you know, your, your mom definitely being your favorite influencer, but is there someone that has inspired you um, throughout your journey that is, that you would attribute to that as well? I would say there are many, 
Um, but the one that sticks out with my mind after my my mother and my family, ironically, would be Oprah Winfrey. Um, her journey has just been amazing. When you look at where she got started, she's a Mississippi girl as well. And so you look at what she was able to amass, you know, in her, you know, still amassing as far as I call it building her empire. And it's just a testament to what hard work and grit is and the favor of the good Lord. But she has, you know, I, not that I model myself after her, but I, I definitely listen to her. She has great advice, great insight. She's done it. So why would you not listen to her? You want to find a mentor or somebody who's, who's, who's going, who, who is at the place you trying to achieve. And so for me, you know, one day I would like to be on the Forbes richest person list, you know, <laughs> and such, but for me, Oprah, and it's just a lot of the tangible things. She had a, a saying one time uh, on, on her show about people that always do for others uh, to the point that they deprive themselves. And she was saying, if you have a hard time saying no, don't be so quick to say yes. And that right there has just, woo, yeah, on aha moments. And so, uh, yeah, she, you know, she has, yeah, Oprah would be my influencer. <laughs> I, same. I, I mean, I'm trying to have a show that at least can mirror, like, to just bring on a bunch of different Oprahs in some regards, because it's interesting, because um, quite frankly, too, you know, of course, Oprah, right? And it's interesting where Oprah, you hear the, the yes and no term all the time. Like, it's so hard to say no, but who is it coming from? Is it coming from someone who you trust in their voice rather than, you know, uh, it's not, not something random, but, you know, someone else out there. It's like the words from a certain person really stick with you based on your, the trust and, um, you know, authenticity of that person and relation. Having said that, though, too, you know, there, we're in such a world right now of digital and consumption and, you know, in some regards, divide and unity. And, and to become the next Oprah, to become the next LeBron James, you know, it seems like it's possible, but so far reach because of all the noise to get there. So my question is, Aaron, you know, can you see yourself, and you talked about community, but, you know, being the Oprah of the community rather than being the Oprah of the United States? Hmm. I, I can definitely see myself being the Oprah of the community. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that, that we do. We don't, we don't talk about, cause again, it goes back to don't, don't let your right hand know what your left hand do as far as charity. And so, yes, we, we are definitely in route to be that person because when you, when you're part of the community, you, you care about what happens to the community, whether good and, and bad. And so for us, um, yeah, we have a lot of things that, you know, I would love to one day uh, create a culinary school um, to teach to teach children who may not be able to fly to, to Paris on a whim and, and 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 partake of European delicacies and stuff and just different things you know and so to bring it home because food to me is like the best ambassador in the world you know I, I tell people with, with sweets if if you know you're going if you know you're coming to a contentious meeting business meeting or family meeting if you serve desserts first that would change the entire mood of the room. And so I, I just believe food is the, is the best ambassador in the world. <laughs> it, it is. And it's interesting because I was, I was on a, um, a call with some other um, professionals and really we had the, one of the topics where, and I just feel like it's like this topic we keep on bringing up and discussing is connect, making connections. And, you know, it's just another Zoom link. I mean, it's so Zoom fatigue, but if, 
if you did something kind of more out of the box where it's like, let's have a roof, let's have, let's do a virtual dinner with dessert first or something along those lines, just to get people there. It's, you know, food is the entryway to everything. And so is wine. I will say if you're above 21, but I mean, it's, it's, but the combination of like chocolate and a glass of red wine, I mean, it just puts you in a, just a whole different state of mind. Um, so thinking about that, you know, it's not easy to wake up one day and say, I am going to start my own business um, and then doing it. So I was wondering, you know, how has your journey been as an entrepreneur um, and particularly, you know, prior to the, just in general, putting, putting COVID into the situation and also outside of it? Cause it's like, there's that personal journey, but then there's the factors outside that you cannot control. Well, well, for me, you know, uh, we all have great ideas and some of us move forward and some do not. And so for me, I knew what I, I wanted to do desserts, but I wanted to do a proof of principle, as we say in the military. I wanted to test the concept. And so what I did initially when I got started was I would give my friends in different, um, different genres of business, where they were corporate, um, federal agency or military, and I would give them desserts just to take to the office and see how, you know, how people like it. Because I didn't want to be that person like you see on American Idol, people when they're doing the audition. And it's like, who told you you could sing? You know, who did you talk to? So I, I just wanted to, to, I wanted some honest feedback. And so for me, that was the initial uh, months when I started back in 2016, I gave desserts to my friends and, and peers and got great feedback. It was one guy, I won't say the agency, he, he had, he had, he had tried one of my red velvet cupcakes oh my gosh that's my favorite it was so fast he didn't realize that it was the metallic cup and then inside was the paper liner and so he just put the entire thing in his mouth <laughs> and then realized the paper was still attached to the cupcake and that was his only comment can you tell don't use the, the paper liners i'm like okay <laughs> and so for me but based on all the different feedback i was like okay have a viable product let me go forth and so yeah it, there have been a lot of ups and downs I um but more ups than downs and I I definitely got to see my business seasonally and I for small businesses you have to go through the seasons of your business to see the ups and downs particularly with your profit margins like initially for me my high season because of the weddings and stuff was from like May to October and then I had a downtime around eh, December and January. Well, that's changed now. And so now I really don't have a down season, which is a good problem to have. But yeah, but you know, there's, there's ways to get around it. But I, I would tell people, just stick with it. Just because you had a bad day doesn't mean you put a baby out with the bathwater. Just stick with it. I mean, go back to why you started a business. Whenever you feel, you know, sometimes at night when your thoughts give you pause, um, because whatever, just think about, why you first started and then go back to that initial i'll go back to the times i'll see people try my products and the sheer glee on their face was like you know they they take a moment and you know and it's like can you tell me where you went because i want to know and so i go back to those days when i see when people enjoy your food and they're just like a constant high that you know you always try to attain so for me i you know just just keep doing it just keep doing it and it's interesting because with the, 
that red velvet cupcakes are like they're, they're, they're entrance into my soul. Like I, there's two, there's in Georgetown, uh, Levon bakery or something just opened up. There's a huge line. I'm like, I'm not waiting in a line in a COVID. Like I just, that's too much for me, but they're, they're, I'm surrounded by like baked and wired Georgetown cupcakes, sprinkles and this, I'm like, okay. Like, and then, then there's the macaroon place. I mean, it's just, it's dangerous. It's dangerous. But my question too, is how, you know, how did you, there, there is, like the thing there's there's so much noise there's so many the social media people out there there's so many chefs there's so much how did you break through that and really build your customer base and get the word out <sighs> oh well being that i just now learning how the social media aspect work um, that's been trying so i hired somebody who was smarter than me to do that for me you know, you know, you are smart at what you do and then you hire everybody else out. Uh, but for me, it was uh, initially word of mouth. I would, then I started going to events and festivals, food festivals and such, and highlighting them in the social media. Hey, I'm going to be here and this and that and do like some Facebook live events. And so, and then word of mouth, and it's just, that's how I began to build my audience. Also too, one thing that works for me was, is to find people in the arena that I I like and I aspire to be and start following them on social media and, um, and, and, and seriously follow them, not just follow them just to whatever, but follow them to see what you can learn and glean from that situation. And so for me, I, and I follow quite a few and it's just, okay, I like this. And ironically, some of them have followed me back, you know, and I just like, I won't put them on blast, but it's just amazing, you know, that, certain people are following you and it's like, wow, God, I got a sense of humor. <laughs> but for me, you know, you have to stay with it. Uh, for instance, um, if you have great, a great event, uh, great, great product and have people provide reviews, you know, via Yelp on your Facebook, you know, and, and that buzz, you constantly, you know, Hey, somebody got something for me and you know, they liked it as them, ask them to provide a positive review. And most time people will because everybody's tied to their phones. And so it's just too easy to do. And so you got to keep working at it. It's, it never stops while you sleep. Your business should still be working. So, you know, with ads and stuff, just, just got to learn the game and learn it very well. And then, but just stay with it. You have to get your grind on. You have to get your grind on. It's, yeah, it's tiring, you know, <laughs> it's, it's exhausting, but it's so it's like, it's, and, and we can dive into kind of like the navigation of the current, you know, well, we're not catering right now at weddings at the moment, but people still need to eat. And, you know, for, for, particularly for me, like I'm tired, but I'm also at the one thing that will, I'll get up every day to do is run my business. And like, that's the thing, like the motivation to kind of keep going and like innovate, it, it, it's, it's actually a gift. It's really a gift. Well, you have to be, we, we've um, done some uh, weddings um, and some events um, uh, post COVID. And um, so we had to adjust how we do things And the food industry should not have been affected by COVID as far as the procedures and such, uh, good hygiene, good sanitation is always the foremost of any food producer. That's just something we do. But when I did an event, um, a wedding event, it was outside. The wedding was outside. The reception was outside. And so I uh, built 
some dividers, the plexiglass. Oh yes, I, I have my little tool belt and I've created some dividers to put in front of the food. So, so like a sneeze guard. And I wanted to provide additional layer plus all of myself, um, my, my sous chef, my waist staff, we all had masks on. And we also had the, uh, the hand sanitizer stations where people walked up. And so we served them food because now we're not doing buffets anymore. It's not hygienically great to do buffets. And so you have to serve food and to people. And so it has changed the game, you know, but in the military, you know, we adapt. That's what you do. You adapt. You don't sit home and suck your thumb and cry about it. You just adapt to the situation and, and keep moving forward. <laughs> so that's a great segue into, you know, how have you leveraged kind of some of your skills from the military into your business? You know, really just, again, talking about adapting, keep going, you know, innovating. But I do believe that um, veterans and, you know, active um active service members have a very unique skill set that not everyone, you know, is taught? Well, for me, um, it's been seeing the big picture. Uh, you know, in my time in the military, you always try to think strategic and above that, you know, to see the long, it's like we call it playing the long game. And so for me, even with the COVID initially, because uh, in, in March, I lost like four corporate events, lost two in April, lost a wedding and so it's just so many things that you you lose and it was like okay all right Aaron what are we going to do and so sat down talked to some other veteran entrepreneurs and set up partnerships you know where things we 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 all sort of pivot did a did a 90 degree pivot and so partnered with a friend of mine who has a wine tasting um and so we were doing things in people's homes where she would provide wine tasting and I'll provide the fine dinner and so you just learn because people are still cautious as well as they should be, but to provide a five-star service in your home, you're more keen to be more relaxed and enjoyable with that. And so that's one of the things that we, we moved into, but I'm thinking the big picture, you know, okay, I'm not sure how long this is going to last, but let me try to figure out how to still survive in this situation. And so that's, that's all you can do. And that's what we've been doing. And people are still having events. They're just, they're smaller yeah and and here's too you know, and, and to that point as well like I just feel so from a aspect of you know the food and the and the experience right so what happened in March is that we we things shut down but that didn't mean that we didn't want to still eat like I'm so bored of my cooking and I am like beyond like if I have more any more pasta with broccoli but and I live to be going out on Monday the first time I actually this is one of the first I've gone out to restaurants but uh it sometimes feels like a science experiment if like you're like around you know it's too much having said that this one restaurant I've gone to a couple where it's not and to their they have to like this is not though I love love restaurants love local but we have to protect each other from each other. And on Monday, I went to this French bistro right up the street from me. And it was the first time I just felt like this, I'm getting that like customer experience, like that great cocktail, just that everything. And that's great, but you, but, uh, you go for sometimes the experience, not necessarily the food, but the food's there. So you could bring the food to you. And I think the bigger picture as we think about the food industry is, you know, we 
we're always going to need to eat, but it's like, what does the future look like? And I know it's hard to predict, but I think that's where innovation comes because at the end of the day, when the pandemic's over, I'm still going to want to call up uh, Miss Joe's, Aaron, Chef Aaron, and be like, okay, I have like, I have five people or four people that I want to bring together for a dinner party for the, for my business. Exactly. It's a lot more intimate. You don't have to worry about like, you know, noise. And then I see that not going anywhere, quite frankly. Exactly. And, you know, ironically, you know, Jen, had COVID not occurred, I never would even consider doing a fine dining piece. Um, now, fine dining and catering is, is huge difference. I, I look at fine dining as intimate setting, ideally four. Sometimes you can go up to six or eight, but anything more than that, it becomes a catering event. So I look at fine dining as a more intimate experience. Um, a couple, uh, maybe uh, two couples or whatever, and where you're getting that, that wait staff, the uh, wine steward, you know, you're getting the, the, the chef in your kitchen preparing everything. And then guess what? They clean up everything and then they leave and there you are still experiencing that. You know, Maya Angelou said, uh, has many great same one of her sayings that stuck to me was people will forget what you said and they will forget what you did but they will never forget how you made them feel and so for me I just want to provide that that experience it's like all I have to do is just walk downstairs and and have a five-star service and that's what you know that's, that's our next pivot you know chef Aaron's fine dining services and that's one of the things but again ironically if COVID had never occurred I never would even consider that pivot to that. And I, and as you said, I do see this being a staple because once people get used to that experience, they don't want to give it up. <laughs> right. And it's the comfort of the home. I mean, I, I even know, you know, for me, even Monday, I don't remember even what I don't, I frankly just remember the experience of how I felt and how the restaurant made me feel. And like, same thing when I go to Sushi Taro, who I love. And I just, I always feel so good. Like the sushi is obviously great, but I mean, it's the experience, the presentation and, you know, um, also just the, the people, right? So the people behind the restaurant or the um, company as well. And so I'm like, that's the first thing that I want to do is organize something like that. Cause then it's, everything's all done. And I'm in my, you know, in my sweatpants in two minutes when everyone leaves. <laughs> You know, I'm from Mississippi, Jen. You know, Mississippi is the hospitality state. And so for us, hospitality is 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 just one of our, our pillars. And and I even like to do that in my business. You know, it's like above and beyond customer service. And unfortunately, in DMV, there are places that I don't frequent anymore because of the, the poor customer service. I'm not sure if that's just the wait staff that day or just a culture. And so, um, but it's one thing when I do do the brick and mortar, if I go that route, um, customer service is going to be one of our pillars. You know, when you walk in, you will feel like, wow, somebody acknowledged that I existed. <laughs> and someone didn't wait 20 minutes to come to my table to take my first order, or at least greet me. And so there's it's just little things, you know, because the back of the house can be great, phenomenal food, but the front of the house is not in sync with customer service. Let me rephrase that with excellent customer service, then, you know, that person may not want to venture into that restaurant again or that, that a food establishment. And, and so it has to be a connect. And so for me, hospitality is one of our, my main pillars in my business. 
And speaking of which, I frankly had an experience back when I came back from the COVID and to one of my staples, and I'm not going back there for a very long time because I didn't have that feeling. And, and, but I, you know, not to brainstorm business here, but I think for, for me where, you know, the, the restaurant industry, I mean, the margins with, with like, you know, 20% capacity with your model, you're more in control, right? Because you can book nights and then also control the amount of staff that you need. You're not having all your staff come into a restaurant and then you don't have tables for them. Having rather you're in control of it because then you can see what you need. You can, with the food buying too, it's like you're not overly buying. And then on the other side of things, you know, e-commerce um, gift baskets, like Miss Joe's gift baskets for sweets, right? Because everyone wants that care package. So that is, you know, having them the brick and mortar of people coming out, ship it to them. So, I mean, it's, and that's where we're seeing the industry has been going, but now we were forced to get on the digital train. Exactly. And your point is, you know, it's one of the things, you know, we're looking to later on, you know, we have a couple of, of lines of, of things that we're doing. And uh, yes, you know, the, the online retail is, 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 is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. And so we are doing some adjustments. You know, we are adapting. <laughs> That's what we do. We adapt. And so you have to adapt to stay viable. You look at, you think about Kodak, think about Blockbuster, think about those companies like that who didn't, uh, well, Kodak did adapt later on but blockbuster never did you know blockbuster had opportunity to purchase red bars are you familiar with that yes i i've i've read that story a lot because i also reading on um, mark randolph's book the co-founder of netflix so <laughs> i'm like i i am halfway through but yes it, it that's where it's like they didn't adapt no and you know you never think that and that's when you i'm not i'm not, I'm not gonna speak to what i think they were thinking but you never be so big that you realize you can't shift and you have to stay relevant. And it seemed like they didn't have that strategic vision, you know, that strategic kind of the people that invented, you know, the, the first, the wooden wagon, the, the wooden wheels for wagons, you know, and look where we've gone now. You have to be thinking, it's like chess. You have to be thinking four or five steps ahead, any given scenario. And then the pivots from that. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot in your head, but, to stay viable, to stay relevant, to stay in business, you have to be like a grandmaster chess champion. You have to be a grandmaster. You, you really do. And just to see, I'm watching actually a show called Halt and Catch Fire. It's on AMC. And it's all about like the wave. And frankly, you know what I love about it? It's, I think it's based in the early 1990s. And it's these two, excuse my language, badass women. And in this like male operated world. And I just, that like warms my heart because you know, there's a lot of diversity that needs to be done across the board and um, across CEOs and leadership. But I just, it, it's so interesting to like see the wave of the computer and the internet um, and how it all kind of adapted. And the thing is, is here, yeah, we're such in a crowded world right now, but it's more so being able to adapt. We're not creating the computer right now, right? We have, we're not creating a computer, but we are adapting to the future and, and predict, and, and, and this is not gonna be our first pandemic, right? Where there's more people in this world, there's more everything, um, more travel, um, interconnectivity physically and digitally. So like, how can you adapt to the future? And, you know, looking at, for what I look at is, I love Amazon, but I also wanna support local. 
but I also want to support local sometimes, but it's raining right now. I don't want to go outside. How can I still support local by ordering and creating kind of like that small business online marketplace for like local. So it's in one, it's a one-stop shop, but it's not Amazon. So it's, you know, we're going to see that shift of like, it's harder for small businesses in some regards right now, but I think we're going to get so bored of the, or over the monopoly, like the monopoly of the Facebook, Amazon, Googles of the world. We're going to go back to local, but we have to make it easy for the consumer. Yes. Kind of like, um, Ace Hardware, you know, uh, you look at Ace Hardware compared to your big boxes like Home Depot and and Lowe's, and they're still here. Um, They had to adjust, but, you know, that's, you know, that is a small business. Somebody owns that little franchise in that that community in town. And and so, but Ace Hardware is still here. And so that a great model, you know, you look at it, it's like, okay, all right, because not every small community community wants a giant big box store in their community you want a, a ace hardware where you just go down there and mr bob you walk in like hey Aaron, hey mr bob how you doing today you know where kind of like too everybody knows your name you know and so um that is something and i look at ace hardware not not to give them a plug but they're still here despite that and so yeah you have to figure it out to figure out, well, I always like the Ace Hardware. I just feel like when you go in there, it's like not an over, like for me, I'm not very handy, but I feel like if I go in there, it's like not overwhelming. There's like some plants and some colorful things and like tchotchkes. And then like, there's of course the wrench that you might need or paint, right. but it's not overwhelming. When I walk into a Home Depot, I'm like, I don't even know where to start or begin. Like, this is not, this is too much. Um, so Erin, is there anything else that you wanted to share with the audience before, um, we wrapped up today? Well, so much, you know, Jan, um, I could probably write a book about the experiences of being the entrepreneur, but, uh, I would say first, you know, find your passion. Um, and the second, unfortunately it's, it's a, a realistic thing of being an entrepreneur is, I would tell anybody, manage your expectations of your family and friends. And I say that it's because you may have a great idea and you, and you do have a great, let's say you have a great idea and you're talking to someone in your family or just friends or just whomever and they kill it (laughs) and they just stab a knife into your plan. And I would say not everybody is going to be on board and that's fine. You know, but manage your expectation. Don't expect everybody to be for you 100%. Not that that's a bad thing, but that's just reality. And so just manage your expectations with your family and friends, and you'll be fine. You know, those who support you do, and those who don't, well, that's fine as well. You know, but I would say being an entrepreneur, people have shown their true colors, good, bad, or indifferent. So ex- expect that. Don't, don't be upset about it. Just say, well, you know what? Thank you for showing me your true colors. I appreciate it. It's true. And frankly, you know, I've been doing a lot of self-reflection during this pandemic and evaluation of the people around me. And half the time they're not talking to you. Half the time they're not actually like, they're really just talking or projecting to themselves. So maybe it's just like, that's a bad idea because they wish that they had the, you know, guts to start a business. And they, you know, so I, I've really taken a lot of, I'm trying to take more advice 
with a grain of salt because you are your biggest advocate and you can trust yourself unless you're going off the deep end, let's call in, you know, let's rein it in. But until then, like if you're going and you're, you're on the path you should be on, you know, say sometimes just don't ask, you know, just be like, if you tell them this is what I'm doing, they can't say anything. <laughs> just let them read about it later, you know, just let them read about it later because sometimes you need to have that peace and being an entrepreneur can be lonely at times. So lonely. Very lonely. You know, again, at night when your thoughts give you pause, but you got to stay the course. And one thing, one more thing too, Jen, I'm sorry, I want to add is, of course, surround yourselves with people smarter than you. If you are the smartest person in your group, then that's a dumb circle. <laughs> That is some that that is such a it, it is such a good idea because I love surrounding myself with people who all know something that's they know more on something than I do and they're better at it. And so that way, like it's diverse and we kind of knowledge share, right? So I'm like the social media person, that person's the other person. It's it's really important to keep that um core close because it's very lonely to um be an entrepreneur. Yes. Well, this has been amazing. I frankly can't wait for us to follow up and schedule a time for us to um, eat some of your yummy meals and dessert. Um, and I'm so happy that Natalie Oliverio connected us. She's a, she's a good soul and a good egg. But where can people find, you know, where can people find you? Where people can connect with you, Erin? Well, we're on our Facebook. It's Miss Joe Petit Sweets. Uh, we're also on Instagram and Twitter at MSJOS. S-W-E-E-T-S, Miss Joe's Sweets. Um, and uh, we also, our uh, website is PetiteSweetsByMissJoe.com. And we also can call us at 571-327-9431. <laughs> Love it. Well, we'll put all that in the show notes, of course. And I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. I am so um, excited to see and read about the continued journey and all these other endeavors that we have going on here. But I'm your host, Jen Sherman. We have Erin Roth. She is the founder of Miss Joe's Petite Sweets. Yum. Love it. Um, and I really hope we can stay connected, stay in touch. Um, you can subscribe to the Influencer Collective show on YouTube, uh, Spotify, iTunes, visit us at InfluencerCollectiveDC.com, follow us at The Influencer DC, all the things, and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Did you enjoy the jingle? That song is called Luxury, and it's by me, Kat Janice. Find me on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever you get your tunes to hear my newest single, Luxury. It's a luxury